You are listening to the Let's Talk About Sex Trafficking Podcast. Your co-hosts, Christy Wells and Brittany Dunn, will interview survivors, industry experts, and community leaders who are committed to increasing survivor identification beyond 1%. This is the first step to ending child sex trafficking in America by 2030. Join us for real facts, real stories, and real ways you can be part of the movement to end child trafficking. Hello, my name is Brittany Dunn. I am the COO and co-founder of Safe House Project. I'm excited to introduce today Missy Larson. She is the Vice President of Philanthropy and Community Impact at doTERRA International. Missy guides one of the world's most active corporate philanthropy operations with a mission to empower people and communities worldwide to make positive and sustainable change while building self-sufficiency. Over the past three decades, Missy has become recognized as a collaborative leader known for her result-focused work. Her passion is connecting resources for community-building initiatives. Missy is founder of the Intrepid Communications, the co-founder of the Utah Refuge Connection, founding chair of Safe UT, and serves on numerous boards as a volunteer. Prior to doTERRA, she served as Chief of Staff to the Utah Attorney General, Sean Reyes, where she led many initiatives, trainings, and task forces in a wide range of issues, including anti-human trafficking, anti-crime, safe schools, and diversity. Thank you so much for being here today. I next am going to introduce my co-host and co-founder of Safe House Project, Christy Wells. Awesome. Well, Missy, thank you for joining us. I mean quite the bio and I think we can really just summarize that by saying you are a powerhouse in the anti-trafficking industry so it is our honor to have you on because we know that you have blazed so many paths uh, to really make headway for survivors and for restorative care homes and so much in this industry. I so appreciate being on with you two. You are making such a difference in this world so thank you for all you were doing. What moved you individually to become part of the trafficking movement? Because you've been part of it much longer than even your time at doTERRA. But then also, where has doTERRA's piece kind of been in this historically? You know, it's such an interesting question because my bridge to doTERRA was actually through my desire to really do something about anti-trafficking. I heard about it. I started the Utah Refugee Coalition in 2009, and I almost immediately heard about it within the refugee. But how? Like, I, I couldn't quite get my mind wrapped around. I understood that it happened, but I'm thinking, okay, but I want to know specifics. I want to know how. So we had a few discussions very early on in my refugee work. And then when I joined the Utah Attorney General's office in very early 2014, like January 3rd, the first legislative session was just coming right then, and uh, Attorney General Sean Reyes had just taken over and had incredible relationships with a lot of the very diverse cultures and um, communities within Utah. And tips started to come to him through people he knew quite well. And a tip came to him on a particular person who a lot of people said, hey, I think something's going on with my kids. They won't talk, but there are some weird things happening. So the investigators in the Utah Attorney General's office put into place a, a major investigation. This man was arrested by the end of February of that same year of 2014. 
And it was insane what he had been doing for years and years in Utah. He had um, been arrested by the FBI and deported numerous times. And he had come back in. He was trafficking drugs through kids who were scared because he told them that he was going to make sure law enforcement knew that their families were not here legally. And so they were trapped by just the thought of their families being deported. He was also drugging them, sexually abusing them, voodoo. I mean, it was the most mind-warping information. And there were so many victims over those years. I knew of at least 65 charges that were put into place, but multiple victims. I can't remember the exact number, but multiple victims as soon as he was arrested and Attorney General Reyes said, we will not deport him because he will just be back. We will keep him here in the jail system here, and we will prosecute. And as soon as the uh, victims knew that they were safe to come forward, they came out of the woodwork. And it was boys between the ages of 9 and 18 that had for years been in all sorts of ways trafficked by him, and it was a horrible situation. Luckily, we had him. He knew he was never going to get out, and he ended up killing himself in jail. And then you get into that whole, like, everybody's ecstatic. You don't have to deal with such a monster. But then you're left with all of these boys who have stories, who need to know that there are other people out there that have been affected by that same situation. So the prosecutor in the AG's office asked the courts to actually hear these cases together. And they opened the courts, and they allowed these stories to come forward. And I saw how critical that after care was in that continuum that you cannot drop these victims midway because they're on their own journeys and need help in getting back to life in a very positive and um, healthy way. So that all played itself out and that sat in my heart. And then for the next you know three and a half years, I saw case after case that would come through the AG's office. I started training with the DOJ with other attorneys generals. Sean Reyes, who was the attorney general, was able to go back to Congress and talk to Congress about what was going on. And it was really at the beginning of when this was really being ignited throughout our nation that we started to recognize that this was happening in our communities. This wasn't just an across-the-world thing. And I started to hear statistics about sex travel and that 70% of the clients in sex travel come from U.S. and Canada. And I just was sick about it. I thought, these are the people that we're walking around, and they're registering themselves to go for sex travel. And so I started to see how that was get everywhere. I was working on this, training on it. That's when UTIP, the Utah Trafficking and Persons Task Force, when more energy came through that, we were able to get a grant through the DOJ. I was working on that with the main investigator on that, who was Jessica Farnsworth at the time. She oversaw the ICAC unit, which is the Internet Crimes Against Children unit. And, and I was seeing for the first time how much the threat of the online with the children could turn into trafficking and how often that started to interplay. And so you had your ICAC units and then Utah has what's called the Secure Strike Force. And that is the um, actual uh, strike force that is connected statewide to be able to look at the trafficking within the state. So from there, 
I started to learn more from the DOJ about how sourcing anything we use, right? Any item that we have in our household that we purchase, anything that we have has this sourcing world, this life basically. And that the average is a six layers. And in that six layers, there's usually two layers that are hidden. And, and it's not usually, but they know many, many times this two layers of hidden corporations. And what happens is these people on these hidden corporations will register actual trafficked individuals. And so they can't track them down. And I started to see how labor trafficking and sex trafficking interplay with each other and started to be trained more by incredible people who were finding all of this data, the Kevin Bales of the world, different people who were doing different research into this and photos that will be forever in my mind of the people who were labor trafficked in the daytime and then what happens with the sex trafficking at night with those same individuals. And as I saw that, I thought we have got to figure out how to change this from the root which a lot of times is labor trafficking. And so when I really learned about doTERRA and how they source oils, it was just a complete draw because I said, if a company that is in botanicals across the whole world and sourcing in so many regions across the world, you're actually changing the way that these small farmers are able to make their own money paid year round, treated ethically, and they are able to start being partners in the supply chain. And that's what doTERRA does all around the world. Our goal is ethical sourcing. We pay year round. We, we have a whole list of qualifications that we work with, with our growing partners and to ensure that, that the risks are really minimized in trafficking. And so when I saw that, that was just such a draw to me to come to doTERRA because if you can change the, the economic scale and start to do that and deal with it, and then doTERRA has the Healing Hands Foundation and doTERRA Healing Hands initiatives globally that really look at the support of sex trafficking victims and help that from the humanitarian side. So it was just such a perfect place for me to come from the attorney general's office and come and people will say, oh, you were, you know, if you don't know this world and you don't know how all of this interplays, you would look at it from the outside and say, you were in the attorney general's office and now you're at doTERRA, there's nothing that connects there. And I'm like, oh, it's basically the same job, you know, just like a really fun global corporate space. That's fantastic. I love the work that you guys have done and how you are really just taking corporate social responsibility to a different level. So we talk a lot about corporations and how they really do have a place in this. You know, corporations sometimes will say, I just don't know how this relates to me, how I can be a piece of the problem or a piece of the solution. So you really seem to like hit the nail on the head. So Overall, what would you say is corporate America's role in combating social justice issues, especially something like this? Corporations have to get involved on all of these issues because here's the thing. We want smaller government, but to have smaller government, corporations have to get involved. Individuals have to get involved. People have to get involved on their personal levels and with their personal money. We keep asking our government officials to decrease taxes. 
we keep saying, well, we don't want a tax increase, but we want you to go solve all of these problems. And it, you can't have it both ways. The corporations right. have to be involved in the big picture. And while I was at the AG's office and well before the, actually the Utah Refugee Coalition was really designed as a, a organization that would connect public, private and voluntary resources. And so I've always kind of known that big problems demand big solutions and the big solutions have to include the public element so that we have the right policy and the right laws in place. We have to have corporations who get involved and we have to have volunteers and we have to have individuals. And if we don't have all of that together, we're not gonna solve the biggest problems that we have in our world. And, and human trafficking is one of those huge problems that will not be solved without corporations getting involved. Yeah, I mean, so much of what we try to do is drive collaboration and you sometimes see it in all spaces, but definitely in the nonprofit space where organizations are afraid to collaborate sometimes because they don't want somebody to take an idea or all of these different challenges. And the reality is, is these issues are so large, they're so complex, and they require all hands on deck because not one organization, one corporation, one person, or even one government is going to solve the issue of trafficking. And so I love how you kind of map out that you know, so often it's easy to push it to somebody else's responsibility, but the only way for us to truly move forward and make meaningful, lasting change is by everybody figuring out their part in that puzzle, essentially. I always say, if people would just understand their strengths and serve with their strengths in whatever it is that moves them, our world could be a perfect place to live. The problem is we feel like, oh, I'm not good enough to help on that, or I don't have enough money to do that. And we almost minimize what our individual worth is in all of this. And if we would just all like totally grab like what we're good at and offer some of that back, because of course we have to take care of our own mental health and help our families. And I recognize that sometimes we don't have the help that we need to be able to do that or the financial support or ability to do what we need. But all of those things, if we could get our connectivity with others and understand how to live healthy lives, have a job, then we're in a place to really give back. And sometimes I think we think, oh, I don't have the time. It, sometimes it doesn't take much time. And I have found that there's this miraculous thing that happens if we're just willing to get back a little, we get back. It's like time becomes nonlinear. And in just this week, there's so many things happening in my life. And I was talking to a friend quickly and he said, wait, you've done all this this week. And I said, yeah, it's been one of those nonlinear time weeks. And I think you know that because when you're doing good and you're working, there is this miraculous power that is behind you that allows you to even sometimes out of the blue, meetings will overlap that you didn't know could overlap. Your pickup for your kids are right next to somewhere that you're, and all that the universe kind of opens up and you go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I would have this kind of cosmic support for this if I pushed forward in it. And the spiritual element is really engaging for me too, because every time I put myself in a situation where I really feel like, hey, we're making some progress. 
there's some bad, sometimes I just say, wow, everything just fell apart. But if I'll just keep sticking through it, miracles. And I see that on every level. I see that at work. I see that in my own life and especially with this work. This work is so critical. You hit the nail on the head. It's so hard and it's so draining, but it's also so fulfilling and exciting at the same time and not from the sensationalism part, but you know, it's worth every minute when you can pour into them and then see these results of, of them gaining that independence back and, and the miracles are countless. And that is, it is hard work, but Britt and I always say we get to be on the hope side of a dark issue. And that is the thing that keeps us fueled is that it's not just all darkness and depravity. We get to see the hope. We get to see the breakthroughs. We get to see the lives transformed. And those are those things that are, as we told you earlier, it's our good Fridays that keep us coming back on Monday, (laughs) maybe a, a little less beaten down than maybe we were on somewhere between Monday and Thursday. So I appreciate that you have seen kind of that full spectrum and have addressed this from the political side, but then also just from that human heart, like, I am just drawn to this and I know that there is greater power behind seeing justice. You've had a a microphone to this issue, again, on the political side with doTERRA in your personal life. So you've gotten to address it from multiple angles, but what is one message you want the world to hear about this issue? What's kind of that universal? This issue hits every single one of us in some way or another. We may not know it, but it hits our networks, it hits our families, it hits, sometimes it's just because we pay more for what happens off of the backside of this in taxes and everything. In one way or another, this affects us domestically here in the United States, in our own communities. And when we pretend that these hard issues are beyond us or are too hard to grasp, We do ourselves injustice by not finding the education that we need and really understanding how to support and help our own families, how to help ourselves. And so the one thing that I would say to everybody is please, 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 if even you only have five minutes, take the five minutes to become more educated. If you're listening to this, obviously you're already there. You're listening to this podcast. You're trying to find out more about this issue, but help others also learn about more there we have a great um, training material on our website doTERRAhealinghands.org with um, three strands global and they take you through a training and then i know you guys have an incredible training module as well and, and so there are different ways take the different trainings make sure you know i know with the training that we're doing with um three strands it's through the schools and teachers will say after their training it's immediately almost say I've seen that and I did not know that I had seen it until right now. And I just got the aha. And they're sad because they missed something. But now, now they're in a place where they've got all these students and they're able to support their students by now knowledge. And if all you have the time is to gain some knowledge on a podcast while you're driving, then do that. If you can put some donations into some good organizations, Please do that. We have the HOPE model at doTERRA, and we're working and collaborating so that we make sure that 100% of donations go right back to cause. And then there's different ways that people can even get involved like we are, right? If you're ready 
for this issue on a really hardcore, then just start finding ways of connecting in your own communities. So every level is important, whether it's getting educated, that's important. Whether it's donating, that's important. Whether it's getting out there and really making a difference in this. And then if you are law enforcement, if you are teachers, if you are in the healthcare industry, if you are seeing the public at any time, it is critical that you know what to look for. And if you find it, it is critical that you report it. And that I would say is the most important. We have to be aware and we have to respond to it. Exactly. And that's the whole heartbeat I know of what all these organizations operate from. It's how do we increase survivor identification? That's what the on watch training is meant to do. That's what the one that you all did with Three Strands Global is meant to do with educators. We have other people who are, you know, doing it for very specific industries. And each of those and each of those trainings just helps to elevate all of our understanding of a really complex issue. And so step in where you feel comfortable. Step into that one thing that you can do today that might change somebody's life tomorrow. And so that's really the power of what these tools provide you as somebody in the community. And I think it's important to note that people don't need to be scared of the first step because we're not so deep into this because we started yesterday. This is many years of working and collaborating and working towards a common goal. And so it's a natural progressive step-by-step thing. And so I would say, don't be scared of it. Just just take a step-by-step on any issue. If, if it's a different issue that really moves you, then move on that issue. But just be part of the solution, no matter where you are or who you are. Yes, all the yeses. So what is one message that you would want survivors to hear? Oh, I just want them to know how much I admire them and to have hope because there are so many people in the world that are working hard to make sure that they do have that hope. And just know we're here to help you. We're all part of one big human family. So I would just say have hope. That if, if it was one thing, I'll help. Awesome. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's exactly what you are here to do and we are here to do is to do everything in our power to give that hope and to show those pathways to freedom and to walk alongside survivors. So we so appreciate you and your heart for this issue. You are a hero and somebody we admire for not being afraid to step into the heart. This is a hard issue and you have gone in guns blazing and <laughs> that's the kind of person Brittany and I love having in our world. But before we sign off, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? Um, it's just so critical for everybody to understand that everybody has a role in this and it's, and it's just following your heart in it. As we close, William Wilberforce once said, You may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. We've all had defining moments in our lives where we faced a choice to either engage or look the other way. Make your choice now to engage. Subscribe to our podcast for future content involving how you can make a difference in stopping trafficking by 2030.